You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family, welcome back to the Church Life Podcast. So right now, our church is focused on this theme of first fruits. We're we're challenging ourselves to give the Lord our first and our best to be first fruit givers instead of giving Him our leftovers and the least of what we've got. And so today I want to share a story from the Old Testament that, that I love. It's an awesome challenge. So while you're on your way home from work or finishing your morning walk or whatever you're doing while you listen to the Church Life Podcast, I hope that you'll be encouraged by what we share today. So the story is set in the book of Exodus in the time of the Old Testament. Um, The people have been rescued from slavery, and God has struck a covenant with them. They've just agreed to be his covenant people. They've begun to see who he is as a God as he rescued them and is greater than the gods of Egypt and has protected them. He has thundered from Mount Sinai and has given them the Ten Commandments. And they're beginning to know him. He's given them instructions for this tabernacle that he wants to have built that will be a place where they're, they're going to come to worship the Lord. And for the priests and how the priests will be dressed and what the, what the garments will be, lo- will be like, well, the only way to fund all this is from the folks. I mean, right now they're a group of nomads in the wilderness who've just marched out of Egypt. And they did come out of Egypt with a good number of gifts, with some gold and other things from the Egyptians, and certainly whatever else their family was able to acquire in the in the years that they were there. But the only options that we have to fund this tabernacle are from, from the people. And so you ask, you know, well, how are we going to do that? Are we going to expect everybody to give a certain percentage of what they own? Are they going to, you know, are we going to make this across the board fair? What are we going to do here? Remarkably, they did none of that. Remarkably, in the story I'm about to read, Moses essentially looks at the people and says, all right, you've seen who God is and what he does, and we're his people now. This is what we're doing next. We're going to build a worship space for the Lord. Uh, who wants who wants to help? Give anything that you want to give. And, you know, so that some of them have the yarn they need. Some of them have the leather that they need. Some of them have, you know, the brass or the gold that they'll need. And so let's just read the story together. I'll share this with you. In chapter 35 of the book of Exodus, it starts like this. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx, stones, and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastpiece. And all who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. And he goes on to describe all the things that they would need need to make. So verse 20 says, Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence, and everyone who was willing and whose heart was moved came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the tent of the meeting, for all of its service and for the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold jewelry of all kinds, 
brooches, earrings, and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Everybody who had blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen, or goat hair, ram skins, dyed red, or the other durable leather brought them. Those presenting an offering of silver or bronze brought it as an offering to the Lord. And everyone who had a kaowood or any part of the work brought it. Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun, blue, purple, or scarlet yarn or fine linen. And all the women who were willing and who had the skill spun the goat hair. The leaders brought onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastpiece. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light, for the anointing oil, for the fragrant incense. All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work of the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. And so really the criteria is if you've got any of these things and you feel moved in your heart, would you bring them? And suddenly, everybody starts working, and everybody starts bringing things according to what they have. There's no rule put forward. There's no requirement. There's no percentage. Nobody's, you know, following up and knocking on doors. Like, this is beautiful to me because, like, the the people are truly giving out of the motivation of their heart. And so, this is kind of cool to me. Did it, did it work? Well, yeah, let me show you. In chapter 36, verse 6, the scripture says this. So then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing any more because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. Um, I think it's amazing that this just overflow of natural generosity from the folks brought absolutely everything they needed to build this first tabernacle to uh, prepare for worship, to burn the incense, to light the menorah candles, to dress the priests in their robes. How cool is that? Okay, so a couple things that I want to pass on to our church family as we reflect on the story. Number one, there is no motivation in the world for giving that is better than just a heartfelt motivation. doesn't matter if I'm talking about giving money or time or talents or resources. Like, I want to give to the Lord out of the motivation of my heart uh, and not because I felt obligated or like it was some kind of rule. And so while we're trying to become first fruits people, I don't want us to ignore the fact that we want the Spirit of God to change us deep on the inside so that our hearts are overflowing with gratitude and that gratitude manifests itself in great generosity generosity to the Lord and to his work. Again, time, talents, and resources. So that's the first thing is you know, there's no law, there's no rule, there's no, you know, there's no oversight that is greater than just heartfelt generosity. Second, man, in the context of their giving, why were they so generous? And I, I have to think that it's because not long ago they were slaves and they cried out to God. And then they saw God work in their life in a super powerful way. And now they're free and they've experienced God and they're overwhelmed and excited. And so I would love for our generosity to be motivated by our salvation, for us to recognize that, okay, we weren't Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but we were slaves to our own sin. And Jesus rescued us, not by 10 plagues, but by his sacrifice on the cross, 
And I would love for in the same way as the Israelites were motivated by gratitude, for us to be motivated by gratitude. Like maybe one of the ways that our generosity comes to life is when we reflect on the goodness of God and what he's done for us. And likewise, maybe one of the things that chokes our generosity out is when we forget to focus on what God's done for us and how we were saved and how God's working in our life. So I just want to turn our church family's attention today uh, to his saving work in your life and to Christ's love for you so that our generosity wouldn't be motivated by you know a plea from a preacher or from a rule, but rather just from a reflection on God's work in our, in our own life. So the last thing that I want to say is just, you know, to be honest with you, um, I know the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. And so as I'm embracing the disciplines of generosity and I really want to become a first fruit worshiper, and I think so does most of the people in our church, so do most of the people in our church, as we are embracing that, like I want to naturally give to the Lord as a cheerful giver. I want to give out of great generosity, motivated by my heart, not by guilt or not by necessity or not by, hey, we're in trouble financially. Or like, I want to give because it's an overflow of my gratitude to the Lord. And so I just, today I just want to encourage you with this really neat story from the book of Exodus. So it doesn't matter to me if you're a fourth grader in our church who's trying to learn to give to the church and, you know, setting that little bit of money aside is still kind of tough for you. Or if if you're a grown-up and you're, you know God's calling you to serve in some way and your time is so precious you hate to give it up, Like as we imagine what it is to be a first-fruit giver of our lives right now, I hope that you and I will enjoy this story from the book of Exodus and be motivated from the depths of our heart by, generos- by God's generosity to us and that we would become cheerful givers, motivated by our hearts. Thanks. God bless you.